Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at Zaxby's.com. I'm Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman here with fellow beat writer Joe Masato after Oklahoma's 45-20 win over the Kansas Jayhawks in Lawrence on Saturday. We were there. We're actually on the road back uh, at least part of the way back tonight, uh, hitting the road back toward Wichita uh, after the Sooners win. And, And, Joe, just a weird, weird game, especially in the first half. Yeah, very strange. It started out strange before the game even started because there was a 30-minute weather delay. 11 a.m. game kicked off at about 11.30. There was, you know, Toby Rowland said that both teams had agreed to a 35-minute warm-up session. And guys like Ronnie Perkins and others said it was the first time since Pee Wee that they hadn't returned to the locker room before the game started. OU did their huddled up for their prayer and – you know, listen to the, their coaches on the field. I mean, just uh, in front of everybody. It was just kind of a strange scene. Yeah, it was like a Little League game out yeah. there with uh, everybody gathered around before the game. Uh, just just a strange uh, strange start, but they wanted to get things going. The, the uh, national anthem was actually, what, uh, yeah. about 30 minutes yeah, before the game started, before, four, 35, 40 minutes. They had a national anthem and a flyover before warm-ups even started so that there wouldn't need to be any delay once uh, they got out there and, and started warming up. So, uh, And then right off the bat, uh, Kansas stops OU uh, out of the gate um, yeah. with uh, forces them to punt after OU got one first down. And then goes down and scores, and all of a sudden the Jayhawks are up 7 to nothing. Yeah, OU's first time that they had trailed all season. The, the first, first quarter points they had given up all season – a lot of firsts for today, and kind of like you said, that the weirdness leading up to the game sort of bled into the first quarter and, you know, basically continued throughout the game. Uh, strange ending to the first half where, um, you know, it, it looked like was 21-7 was that the halftime score, and it yeah. looked like it could have been. It, it should have at least at most been 14-7. to Kansas kind of botched how they finished that first half. OU spent all three of their timeouts to force a Kansas punt. Then C.D. Lamb had a really big return, Well, uh, Joe, Kansas was penalized. <laughs> yeah, Joe sort of glosses over how we got there, though. Yeah. Um, we I, I was spend... just talking about tons of weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, the which game. we, we got to spend a significant chunk of time talking about that uh, that last couple minutes of the first half. OU's rolling. It looks like I they're going to the, finally the most interesting s- part. Stretch, stretch things out after another batch of weirdness is Nick Basquin – throws a pass to Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Jalen Hurts with a nice little move, and all of a sudden OU is up there, uh, what were they, up 14-7 to seven yeah. with uh, first and goal at the 70, and it looks like they're going to punch it in and then you know start to separate. But that's when things got really, really strange. Yeah, I mean, they ran – they followed one reverse with another reverse that didn't work at all. Um, 
I hope I'm getting the sequence right, but Hertz well, feels the snap, hands to Sermon. Sermon flips to C.D. Lamb. Uh, Lamb sort of backpedals. I mean, the defensive end read the play correctly. Uh, it, was, it was the, uh, I guess they called it a, well, it was the old OU terminology. They called it a jack linebacker. Yeah, that actually and, and Hurt, or Lamb basically in a panic flips it back <laughs> to Hurts. I mean, it was just a crazy play. Yeah, and in the interim, between the Nick Basquin throw and that, there's a couple other bouts of weirdness as Jalen Hurts is sacked. OU with yet another OU holding penalty. Or let's see, actually, after the Basquin, uh, Jalen Hurts runs for should have been three yards, but Tyrese Robinson called for holding. That's foreshadowing. We'll go back to this uh, this sneak later. But uh, then on the next play. Hertz is sacked for a loss of eight. Another holding is called. Kansas, the Mad Hatter, decides to decline that penalty and uh, take the loss of down there. So at this point, it's still not great for OU as their second and goal from the 25, but then it got a whole, whole lot worse. Yeah, I mean, it. they had, I mean, basically the play I, I outlined, it ended up being. You know, they were backed up goal to go from the 48-yard line, basically. <laughs> and it could have been worse because they initially had it spotted at the 50. Yeah. And then they moved it up a couple yards yeah. uh, there to give them third and goal from the 48. Oh, you punts on fourth, <laughs> well, fourth and goal. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it's still, again, foreshadowing. We're going to come back to this in either the second or third segment. This isn't going to be a first segment topic. But uh, Jalen Hurts throws to pass to Grant Calcaterra who had sort of been MIA for the, the first two quarters. And you're like, oh, Calcaterra, they're getting it going a little bit. And then OU's called for yet another penalty, another offensive lineman, this time Marcus Hayes, called for unsportsmanlike conduct. And it's uh, fourth and goal from the KU 44, and the Sooners are first to, forced to punt on an and-goal situation. Yeah, I mean, it was just a just a really bizarre ending um, and, and, you know, Kansas didn't put a player back to return that punt. Uh, OU ends up, you know, for, forcing them to, to, to start Kansas's next drive well well deep into their own territory, and that's, yeah, like at the I two. said, yeah, at the two, um, you know, and I, I don't know if Kansas really expected Lincoln Riley to, to empty out his timeouts there because well, it almost looked like, they would go into the half and just try to figure things out. I'll be honest with uh, what Puka Williams had done to OU to that point. He'd run very effectively. Um, OU had pinned uh, Gabe, or not Gabe Burkich, uh, Reeves Munchow had pinned the Jayhawks at the two earlier in the game, and the Jayhawks drive 98 yards, which wound up sort of being basically being 99 because they got a couple penalties there that pushed him back about a yard and a half from the two. And I thought OU would just sort of take the 14-7 to lead and, and be okay with it, be content with it. But they weren't. They were aggressive. And that's a mark of what Alex Grinch is doing. It's a mark of Lincoln Riley, what he's always done. They were aggressive, and it paid off in a big way. The biggest play of that to me, that uh, three and out, was, uh, gosh, what was it, uh, the, on the third down, uh, third and five there from the seven. And Neville Gallimore just absolutely blows it up. It looks like for a second that he's going to drag Puka Williams into the end zone and get a safety. 
I asked him after the game about it. He said he thought he had a safety there for a minute. Puka Williams escapes. But then uh, Kansas has to punt. CeeDee Lamb, who'd had the disastrous play just moments before, makes the most of it with the the 46-yard return. There's a flag down on the play, and I think all of us up in the press box are like, oh, no, here here we go again because this is what's happened, again, foreshadowing. And uh, But it wound up being on Kansas. Uh, gosh, what was that? Oh, face mask penalty. And all of a sudden, OU has uh, first and goal there at the 10. The next play, uh, Jalen Hurts hits CeeDee Lamb, and that seemed to really settle the Sooners down there going into the half. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, you know, it was a best-case scenario for OU going into the half, getting that late score, kind of capitalizing off, um, you know, the punt and pinning Kansas deep and and having that big return, uh, which was increased even more so because of the penalty. But, you know, it was just the, the first half had all the theatrics. It was crazy and entertaining. The second half, I think, was more of what you would expect from an OU Kansas game. But it was kind of a, you know, I mean, you wrote about this after the game. It was just you know sort of a sleepwalking effort I mean maybe uh, uh, you know you can't really call it a hangover because it's before but whatever the term is before uh, looking past Kansas going into the Texas game I I think I refer to it as a pre-hangover yeah pre-hangover that's a good one so uh, C.D. Lamb said that he was like I made a statement on the sideline like sometime that you know this is weird like everyone thought it was weird it was weird Um, the weather started things but then the play made it even stranger yeah it really was um just a a strange strange day but OU finally grabbing control there and and they were able to sort of cruise through the second half extended the lead in the third quarter Kansas never really uh got much going after that I thought OU's defense got a whole lot better uh there like I said beginning with that that big goal line standard back to the goal line stand in Kansas's case. Um, so so that was a, a positive thing. But, hey, we're going to take a break uh, right there. I want to make sure that everybody goes to RedRiverRivalryRadio.com this week. It's live now. We just kicked it off after uh, OU's win over Kansas, after Texas' win over West Virginia. It's a, a partnership with uh, the Austin American Statesman, our, our fine friends down there, RedRiverRivalryRadio.com, a 24-hour, seven-day-long pop-up radio station celebrating this historic rivalry between the Sooners and Longhorns. Uh, like I said, it's live now. I'm Ryan Aber, and this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. 
Joe, a lot more to talk about at this game. But first, we really have to start with injuries, with uh, OU rolling yet another offensive line group out there after uh, Eric Swenson uh, was out of today's game. We knew Adrian Ely was very unlikely to play. That was the case. OU went with uh, uh, had to move things around there with Tyrese Robinson uh, playing one of the tackle spots and uh, Bray Walker yet again starting there, R.J. Proctor up front. And uh, early on, it seemed like that played a big role in, in OU's offense not quite getting going. Yeah, we, we saw a far more effective pass for us, I think, than we expected from that Kansas defensive line. Even on that very first series, Jalen Hurts was sort of slung around a little bit and kind of threw the ball up, not a great decision. That could have been picked off, and it's kind of eye-opening to, to see the, the run game was really slow getting going as well. So I think you finally saw for the first time sort of the inconsistencies in the offensive line. But like Lincoln Riley said, five games, five different groups. Um, this is the first time that, that you know, you've seen R.J. Proctor and Tyrese Robinson started the two tackle spots. Robinson, you know, started the season at guard, but now Bray Walker's playing that right guard spot. So you've seen a mix and match all year. And, you know, you can't say it caught up to him because it was still Kansas, but you saw some effects of that. Yeah, that'll certainly be something to watch as we move forward. It it sounded like, at least last week, that they thought that Adrian Ely would be able to play against Texas. We'll see if that's the case. You never really know with injuries with this team right now, but uh, we'll we'll see what Eric Swenson uh, does as well. Yeah, that's the thing, like – we only know what Kennedy Brooks is. Well, we know where on his body the injury is because we <laughs> saw it with our own eyes in that Texas Tech game, that right knee that he injured, um, which Lincoln Riley said today there's no Left str- knee, right? Uh, well, see. Because he was running away from us. and it was, I think uh, there's confusion because he gra- his left knee is the one that got hit. He grabbed his right knee, though, after the play. His right knee kind of got flexed out a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's even confusion as to that, I think. Maybe it is the left knee. Maybe <laughs> but, I'm just remembering that. Um, but Swinson, it, we don't know. It looked like that uh, Kennedy Brooks was going to be a go today. Yeah. Uh, I think the weather had part part of it to play. I said early in the game after I think it was Braden Willis uh, uh, slipped up on the, the, the turf there at Memorial Stadium that, hey, that's why Kennedy Brooks isn't playing today. And it seemed like they were being very cautious, given one, it's Kansas, let's be honest, and, and two, that Texas is looming. They want to get him fresh for that. So it doesn't look like a long-term thing for Kennedy Brooks, but uh, he was out today as well. But on the running backs category, uh, they got one back with T.J. Pledger. Didn't play much, just got in at the end, had, uh, had a couple carries there uh, late. But that was something positive uh, for the Sooners. T.J. Pledger, three carries, 30 yards there. So uh, I I think a solid uh, note for them there. Yeah, and speaking of running backs, I wrote about this guy, Ramondre Stevenson, who, um, you know, I I, I don't want to – I don't want to hyperbolize here, but I said Samaje Piran-esque runs against Kansas because he was <laughs> Well, just... somebody else compared him when we were talking to, uh, I think it was Trey Sermon, 
compared to Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, and, and that's the guy that, that Ramondre said he wants to be like uh, is Marshawn Lynch. That's kind of the, the running back that he looks to as his role model. But Ramondre Stevenson, and maybe the craziest stat for the season, he's got a rushing touchdown in every game this year. Five rushing touchdowns, five games. And today he averaged – I think over 20 yards a carry, Yeah, 21.8. Five carries, 109 yards. But when you got a 61-yard touchdown in there, that'll do it. And, yeah, it was in garbage time. I mean, it was the fourth quarter. But at the same time, I mean, he he did not try to avoid people. He was just running over people. But he had that that catch early that was pretty impressive as well that was in a garbage time. Right, and then the 61-yard run, I went back and watched the replay. He basically broke a tackle at the line of scrimmage, a guy diving at his legs. Next tackler tried to get him around the waist, uh, you know, and just fell off of him. Next guy tried to lay his shoulder pads into him, hit him up high. That didn't work either. So they tried to hit him at every single level, and they all missed. And he then he sprinted past the defensive backs, and no one beat him to the end zone. So he's still the third back when Kennedy Brooks is healthy, but it's a pretty good sign for your backfield when Ramondre Stevenson is your third best running back. Yeah, no doubt about it. A fantastic game from Ramondre Stevenson. I think he's going to continue to command more and more looks in there. Clearly, Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks are, are one and two. Trey Sermon today, 11 carries, 71 yards, averaged uh, six and a half yards a carry. Obviously, like I said, Brooks out, but they're going to continue to uh, find ways to use Ramondre Stevenson because he's make it, making it impossible to keep him off the field. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, he's for sure Sermon's their lead back, and the, the stat doesn't really uh, back up what I'm about to say, but Ramondre Stevenson has almost caught Trey Sermon for the, for the second most rushing yards on the team, which is just crazy to think about. Jalen Hurts is still, uh, still Oklahoma's leading rusher. Didn't have a huge day on the ground today, but he did have a rushing touchdown. Yeah, 10 carries, 56 yards, two rushing touchdowns two rushing, for bad. Mr. Hurts today. Joe is trying to sure take away uh, stats hurting from his Mr. Jalen Hurts. It, it is really sad, Joe. I mean, it's it's pathetic what you're doing, and it – we're not going to stand for it. Well, we've got to we've got to start a Heisman watch, a weekly Heisman watch. Joe Burrow had six total touchdowns today. Tua was off, but right now I think it's you know it's still early. But those three seem to be leading right now. Yeah, I think it's a pretty clear one, two, three. You know, whatever order you want to put them in, but uh, those three guys certainly at the top of that. Um, let's see what some other things that stood out, Joe. I thought. Uh, I thought Nick Benito uh, played well on OU's defense. You know, we've talked about that spot a lot. Um, John Michael Terry, I think, has played well there. But uh, Tanay with Benito just had three tackles, although tackles were very spread out, sort of like catches. But uh, I thought we saw some really good things out of uh, Nick Benito. Yeah, So yeah, and I'll, I'll mention another, you know, young guy, Richard Freshman, Brian Asamoah, I thought, played really well as too. But Benito does stand out at that Russian spot behind John Michael Terry. Um, you know, David Ogwebu, I, I think it was just a matchup thing, but he, he made his first career start today, the true freshman linebacker. Um, you know, I, I think we're seeing more and more that earlier in the year it was like, okay, they, they just want to shuffle a lot of guys in there. And now I think we're seeing why they did that that these guys can play 
and are getting more and more time as the year goes on. Yeah, you mentioned Ogwegbu. I think that was just a matchup thing because Brendan Radley Hiles was out there to start. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, David Ogwegbu comes sprinting across the field. Radley Hiles goes to the sideline. I think that was just a. And Ogwegbu came off on second down. I think. Yeah, it was it was really quick, but still interesting that that Ogwegbu, a, a true freshman, made his start there. And then uh, Delarian Turner Yell just keeps improving and improving. I, I thought a really solid showing from him. Said seven tackles, all of them solos uh, for him, one of them for a loss. Um, they still don't have any depth at that safety spot, especially after they move Trajan Bridges back to offense. But um, the front line, especially Turner Yell, especially with what happened a week ago, is showing out pretty well. Turner Yell was, yeah, I, you saw the improvement that you wanted to see from that safety spot. Those him and Patrick Fields, you know, don't have the numbers yet, but I can almost guarantee they continued to lead the defense and snap totals just because of the lack of depth there. You mentioned Trajan Bridges. I mean, this thing had so many twists and turns the last two weeks. We we talked on the Wednesday or Wednesday podcast that we were almost certain <laughs> that he was going to play defense the rest of the year. And then in pregame warm-ups, he's working out with the wide receivers, caught two passes today, and I guess he's going to play offense the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, it certainly looks like it after what uh, Lincoln Riley said on Wednesday paired with what happened today. Just a really interesting time to see. And then he made another uh, – I think he didn't he make another tackle on special teams yeah. today as well. So, I mean, but clearly – they figured he was not the answer for them uh, at safety slash nickel. They're going to have to develop some some other guys. You know, Chance Sylvie, who we talked about a lot of, about that spot before the season, uh, had a bit of a rough go of it on a, a special teams play where he got called for holding on what would have been a C.D. Lamb punt return for a touchdown, but uh, wound up getting brought all way back because the hold actually happened before Lamb caught it during the coverage portion of it. So um, just, you know, it, it'll it's worth watching still what Oklahoma does in the secondary because I don't think Turner Yell left the game until maybe the last series or two. He was in there really late compared to everybody else. Yeah, I mean, they that's just the one spot where we haven't seen the depth. Um I would like to take this time to really give it up to myself for uh, predicting. Joe sounded like somebody else that uh, talks about sports in Oklahoma. <laughs> predicting that, no, this is a joke. Predicting that Trajan Bridges would get an interception today. That was my wild prediction. Here's the catch. He did not play defense today, therefore he was practically ineligible to record an interception so i was very off on my wild prediction but that's why they call them wild predictions i suppose yeah you, you gotta step on a on a limb sometimes joe and although the, you actually talked about i don't know if changing it is the right word but adding another bold prediction uh before the game it, it uh, might have turned out all right I, I think you said 150 though didn't you for stevenson 
Yeah, I, I did. Um, that one was much, much more respectable, though. And then I said after the game, you know what would have been a great bold prediction is that Braden Willis <laughs> would lead the Sooners in receiving yards today. Yeah, and Braden Willis did lead the Sooners in receiving yards with, uh, what was it, two catches, 38 yards. One thing to note that the last time an OU leading receiver had less yards than what Braden Willis finished with, it was way back in 2014 against Kansas in Norman on a rainy day when some guy named Samaje P. Ryan ran for 427 yards. OU's leading receiver that day, Samaje P. Ryan, one catch for 19 yards as Oklahoma completed three passes. Uh, Cody Thomas was the quarterback that day for the Sooners. But the combination of the weather, uh, Thomas under center, wound up OU just leaning hard on Samaj P. Ryan. So that was interesting. To, but to going back to today, nobody had more than two catches uh, for the Sooners. Is, uh, uh, what was it, three, four, five, six, seven guys had two catches. Another uh, six, six they had, had one catch each. Uh, we didn't hear much of Charleston Rambo today. One catch for 10 yards. Um, but Braden Willis, Nick Basquin, Jeremiah Hall, Jaden Hazelwood, who continues to uh, carve out a nice little role for himself, uh, CeeDee Lamb, Trey Sermon, and Trajan Bridges each had two catches. Nobody had more targets than uh, CeeDee Lamb's four as uh, you know, Jalen Hurts really spread the ball around. Yeah, I mean uh – what was the total passing yards number today for OU? Uh, 277, and 28 of that was by Tanner Mordecai, and 21 of it was by Nick Basquin. <laughs> that's right. It's just crazy that, you know, that's not a, a huge number by OU standards, but that they can have that number, and then the leading the leading receiver has 38 yards, and no one has more than two catches. It's just I can't, like, wrap my head around that stat. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you have uh, 13 guys capable of catching the ball, and and really outside of, um, especially when one of them is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Uh, Jalen Hurts catched the pass. You know, Grant Calcaterra and Lee Morris each caught one. Ramondre Stevenson, as we mentioned earlier, caught one. You know, two H backs. Um, So just a a really balanced effort uh, from the Sooners over there. But, hey, we're going to take our uh, second and last break here in the Sooners Extra podcast. Uh, Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store in the Google Podcasts app. We really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in each week. This is the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zach. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. Taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, or order online at zaxby's.com. Uh, Joe, now that OU Kansas is over, OU can turn its attention to Texas. But let's talk about some stuff that came out in the post game and uh, 
got to start with an interesting moment as Lincoln Riley is talking about his uh, play calling in the first half and just the weirdness of how that game uh, played out. And then it, we get a little bit of levity added to the situation. A flush. A, to- <laughs> and <laughs> a toilet to, flush. To set up the scene, the interview room at Kansas is is saying it's tiny is generous. It is yeah, very, very cramped in there. Tight. I think there was uh, eight chairs uh, lying all in there. and then Yeah, they were all much. touching each other. Um, you know, my knees, I was in the second row, and my knees are sort of in the back of uh, the person whose chair is in front of me. Uh, when Lincoln Riley walked in, as is customary, uh, his wife, Caitlin Riley, walks in, Clark Stroud, uh, the director of football operations uh, walks in as well. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Clark just turned up, turned around, and walked out eventually. Uh, Caitlin had to take a stand in front of the door, uh, hoping nobody would knock her over by opening the door. But uh, so we're in very tight quarters. And then as Lincoln is answering this question, the flush happens. Yeah. Okay. You've got to get the quote right. Or, <laughs> well, or I, or well, maybe we're play we're, it. Yeah. We're we're just going to do it like this. Listen to Lincoln Riley in his post game uh, winds up talking about his play calling on the day. Is it human nature to look ahead for these guys to the Texas game, knowing what's at stake next week? That, you know, some of the games that you played to this point. I've, I've never really got that feeling. I mean, that's, I know people, that's always a hot topic on the outside. I, I wasn't mentioned that game, not my uh, not one time. You ever had that in the back? Of the <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of news today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they thought about play call. So there's Lincoln Riley after the game. Like I said, a, a sort of a fun moment there. But Lincoln Riley was very, very hard on himself, Joe, uh, for for the play calling in this game. I think no play more so than the the failed reverse there to uh, first Trey Sermon and then CeeDee Lamb and finally Jalen Hurts that cost him uh, uh, 23 yards late in the second quarter. But it wasn't just that. Lincoln Riley was not happy with his his job today. Yeah, it's it's almost become his – default I think when you know the offense played fine but maybe not as sharp as they usually do definitely not as sharp as they usually are but Lincoln Riley this has happened a couple times this year when he's upset about how a play went he'll just blame himself maybe he's right about it but you know it's kind of hard to tell exactly what what went wrong but I almost think he just does that anytime an offensive play goes awry yeah, I mean, that's sort of his thing. Uh, he feels like everything should work, but when it doesn't, he thinks about how he should have changed it. Joe, we got uh, OU has Texas to look forward to a week from now, and it's in part I think it's human nature, although Lincoln Riley sort of dismissed the thought that they were looking forward to Texas or looking past Kansas. But it's really hard not to. And Trey Sermon didn't really say, hey, this is a problem. This is, this is what happened today that we were looking ahead toward Texas. But Trey Sermon 
said that the crispness that we've seen from Oklahoma early in the game just wasn't there today. Yeah, Braden Willis said a similar thing. I think C.D. Lamb used the word nonchalant. So they they were all kind of saying the same sort of stuff. And again, back to what we talked about um, in the first segment, the weather might have played something to do with that. I think it was more so the opponent. And I mean, it's an 11 a.m. game. There's hardly anyone in the stands. Um, it's raining. It's the week before Texas. This was all sort of set up to for the game to play out the way it did. But OU walks away with a 25-point road win, so no harm done. It was just kind of a an odd game. And, you know, like, I was trying to think about this. You know, if you put yourself – try to put yourself into a player's perspective, I'm really not sure that they are looking past whoever they play that week. In college football – there, there's just so few games that, like, I, I don't think they're looking past Kansas necessarily to play Texas, but they might be. Um, the, the way they played might might show that, but I think it was just a hard game to get up for in general, even if Texas wasn't the opponent next week. Yeah, let's let's hear what Trey Sermon had to say uh, after the game. I, I just think it's uh, our, our focus. Uh, for me, I, I felt like we all weren't really focused. I mean, uh, we had some like different things going on but I mean uh we I just felt like we we started slow because I mean we weren't really uh locked in from my perspective did you have a sense of that before the game or is that one of those things that didn't really hit you until the game sort of started Uh, it it didn't hit me until the game started so that was Oklahoma running back Trey Sermon after Oklahoma's win over Kansas on Saturday and Joe now attention turns squarely toward next weekend at the uh, Cotton Bowl where for Oklahoma, Texas, we love this week every year. This week, though, is going to be something a little bit different because of where these teams both stand uh, entering this game after uh, Texas escapes West Virginia this afternoon. Yeah, I mean, it's a well, we, we've talked so much about OU's schedule, and and you know, before we started recording the podcast, we were trying to figure out. What is OU's best win? I think we settled on Texas Tech, but this is the first test. This is not Texas's first test, but this game means a whole, whole lot as far as who represents uh, in the Big 12 championship later later this year. So it's just a huge game with, with national implications on both sides. And, um, you know, expect the unexpected as we did last year, I think, you know, in part of our Red River Rivalry Radio, I'm I'm not as seasoned as you are at saying that. Red River Rivalry Radio dot com, Joe. It's like when you we, one of the segments was like, you know, what what's the what's the best OU Texas game? Maybe it's recency bias, but I think that 2018 game should be one of the best games in the series history. It was a really good game, uh, the regular season matchup. Yeah, regular I mean, we season. sort of rode off OU at one point and then Jalen or not Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts wasn't around he was playing for Alabama that yeah, day they're good quarterback. Uh, yeah Kyler Murray just absolutely took over that game and uh, willed the Sooners back to a tie and then Cameron Dicker uh, you know goes down in history with the big kick but uh, Joe there's a, a lot of positives to take from today we talked about the way that Jalen Hurts spread the ball around, the way that uh, Oklahoma was able to run the ball effectively later in that game. 
the the defense performing well overall, especially until there at the end when things sort of got sideways on them on that very last drive for the Jayhawks. But uh, maybe the most concerning thing is those penalty numbers. Oh, you actually didn't hit its average of penalties today, but still not good at all there with eight penalties for 89 yards. And they just seem to happen at very critical times. Lincoln Riley talked afterwards about not wanting to curtail that aggressiveness. Let's hear what Lincoln Riley had to say there. It's a tough balance it is. I mean, it's, you know, you, you look at the film, kill, and you beat your head up, and then I, I do keep reminding myself, you know, like I said, you've got a lot. Go look at the end of the year, who's least the last thing that's go out of the record, you know. And so, I, the aggressiveness has to be there. Like, to me, that's the one thing. I can't do anything that's going to take away this guy. We're going to play aggressive, and it's on me, aggressive uh, staff and our players to do it with, with also being more smart. And we've got to, we're, we're good enough coaches, good enough players, we can figure that out. Joe, what do you make about those comments about penalties and the way that Lincoln Riley said, hey, the one thing I'm not going to do is, is take away that edge, that aggressiveness? But at the same time, this team cannot continue to be uh, penalized this much. It eventually will come back to bite them. I think it makes sense because the one thing that might have been absent is, and the penalty problem is not an offensive or defensive problem. It's both. But especially when he used the word aggressive, I think he's specifically talking about the defense in particular. Um, That aggressiveness has sort of been missing its back um, for the most part this year, and he doesn't want to curtail that in any way. And then what I also thought was interesting is, you know, when he says go back and look at the teams who are the least penalized teams every year and add up their record, well, I, I don't know what it's going to be after this weekend, but when I looked last week, I'm pretty sure Rice was the least penalized team. Um, and, um, well, I, I don't have to tell you guys what Rice's football reputation is, but it's not very good. And, you know, that kind of backs up his point. They're not trying to be first, but I can guarantee you they don't want to be last, and that's basically where they're at. They're 129 out of 130. Um, We'll have to add up Tulsa's penalties today after their SMU game, which is still ongoing, but yeah, which, a which by the way, result. and we'll yeah, we'll just give you what, what's going <laughs> on. This is what you You'll, came here for. You will have known this by the end. But SMU is making a comeback in that game, Joe. It's just 30, 30 to twenty three uh, there uh, for Tulsa. I'm yeah. not sure if I can find the penalty numbers here. This is all uh, going to be irrelevant, but it's, oh yeah, it's it'll it'll be completely irrelevant by the time we get there. But Tulsa penalized a lot yet again. Eight penalties for seventy seven yards Oof. there. With about eight and a half minutes left, so they got plenty of time there to add a couple more. Um, but like I said, Joe, today didn't bite them back too much. In the future, though, when they get all those holdings, uh, some of the dumb penalties that they had today, the unsportsmanlike conduct, things like that, those go a long way toward getting you beat in close games. Yeah, and I think his message is. You know, even more impactful heading into the OU Texas game, where they're they can't have sloppy mistakes. They can have, they could have doubled their sloppy mistakes and beaten Kansas, but they can't do that against the Longhorns. We all know that, so they're going to have to be a little bit sharper. And I think the easiest penalties to clean up are going to be along the offensive line. 
Um, I, I think we're seeing those because it's still a young group, and even more so than young, it's an inexperienced, and they're not really gaining a ton of cohesion because they keep, you know, running so many guys in there together. But if you clean up, you know, a couple false starts a game, that's going to help them. Um, C.D. Lamb's not going to have an offensive pass interference every game, so that'll help. But, uh, you know, just some little things to clean up for sure. Yeah, so, all right, we're going to wrap it up there on the Sooners Extra podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, we're going to be back with a couple more episodes last next week. Like I said, check out RedRiverRivalryRadio.com. You can also find it at the Oklahoman.com's uh, homepage, the Sooners page. It'll be there. Listen to some great OU Texas content uh, during the week. But uh, reach out to us. If you have any OU questions, feel free to reach out on Twitter. I'm at R-Y-A-B-E-R. You can also email me. You've gotten a couple uh, read your emails this week. Really appreciate that. R-A-B-E-R at Oklahoma.com. Joe, before I completely lose, lose my voice, how can people reach you? Um, okay, you can email me at jmasato at oklahoma.com. And on Twitter, it is at Joe underscore Masato, M-U-S-S-A-T-T-O. That is two S's, two T's for Mr. Joe Masato. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. The Sooners Extra podcast is presented each week by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. He's Joe Masato. I'm Ryan Aber. You can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere. <laughs>